0: Welcome to Lead On, a program where we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, and it's my privilege to talk with you each week about practical issues of ministry leadership. On this program, we talk about the nuts and bolts work of leading a church or a ministry organization. This program's for pastors, associate pastors, elders, deacons, directors, executives, presidents. It's for any one of us who finds ourselves in leadership in a Christian context. And so whether you're the pastor of a church or the head of a nonprofit or leading a ministry on the streets here somewhere in our community, this program's for you. Now, last week on the program, I talked about the importance of formal training for ministry leaders. And of course, I'm for that. Shouldn't surprise you. I'm the president of one of the largest seminaries in the United States. I believe in formal training. But I also said last week on the program that someone once asked me if, I learned everything I needed to know about ministry leadership from college and seminary. And my answer to that question was, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Formal training like college and seminary is foundational to a lifetime of ministry effectiveness. And I made the case for that last week on the program. But listen very carefully. You will not, you will not Learn everything you need to know about leadership effectiveness and ministerial effectiveness by going to school. You have to continue to learn over a lifetime in order to be effective. Another person asked me this question once. He said, Jeff, what have you learned after you thought you'd learned everything you needed to know? Another way to say that is, what have you learned after you thought, you knew it all. Well, that was a great question and caused me to do some serious reflection on that. In fact, that person who asked me that question actually asked me to speak to some young leaders about that very theme. What do you what did you learn or what have you learned after you thought, you knew it all? And so I want to talk with you today about the importance of continuing to learn and grow in your leadership capacities over a lifetime. And I want to highlight some areas where I think most leaders both need to learn and grow and the opportunities that most leaders have to continue to grow over a lifetime. My mentor once challenged me with this saying. He said, Jeff, remember, stay alive all your life. When I heard him say that, I thought, what possibly does that mean? So I asked him and he said, Stay alive all your life, keep growing, keep developing, keep learning, keep changing. Never reach a point where you settle for who you are, what you've done, or what you know. So today, let's talk about how leaders mature, how they grow, how they change over a lifetime of leadership Of course, resting on that firm foundation of formal training I talked about last week. First, leaders mature by learning from their experiences. Now, this is one of the disciplines I learned during formal training, is how to reflect on a ministry experience, to look at it, if you would, from a third-party perspective or from an outsider's point of view, to ask, what happened? Why did it happen? What can I learn from this encounter? How will I do things differently next time? And is there anything about this that I need to carry forward into other areas of my leadership? One area where this has been really evident for me is on choosing staff. Of course, I got some information about that when I was in training, but then I started doing it and learning how to do it more effectively and making some significant mistakes along the way. And then finally getting to the point where I had learned from my experiences, mostly learning from the negative, but also a few from the positive, positive. And then starting to reshape the way I handled things like interviewing and evaluating and analyzing and thinking about references and thinking about the information I was receiving. All of those experiences over a 10 to 20 year lifetime of leadership helped me to shape how I choose people for my team. And quite frankly, in my latter years, I've gotten much, much better at this. Why? Well, not because I was taught how to do it perfectly in formal training all those years ago, although I'm sure I did receive some help from that process, but more importantly, by learning from my experiences along the way, by reflecting on what I did, by thinking through what happened, by considering the processes and the results, and then making adjustments incrementally as I move forward. Now, this could be said about a number of different areas. I'm just using the illustration of choosing staff. I've gotten a lot better over the years at managing organizational finances just because of the experience of doing that over the years has helped to make me better. Now you might be thinking, well, you're just talking about the natural process of getting older and having and having uh, uh, you know done things over more more often or done things over and over again. And I'm not talking about that. You know, just because you've lived a long time doesn't mean you've learned from your experiences. Learning from experiences means that you learn to reflect on what you've done and to ask the questions of why did I do this? What happened? What can I learn from it? How will I do things differently next time? And what do I need to carry from this experience into the other areas of my leadership? We call that theological reflection in our circles of ministry training and ministry leadership. It's learning how to think about your situation, to process it, to see God at work in the midst of it, to understand biblical and theological and historical components of what's going on, to bring, into the, uh, to bring into the mix the best information you can glean from secular sources and from current sources in ministry writing. It's all of those experiences, and then learning from what you've done and making changes as you go forward. So maturing leaders learn from their experiences here's another one uh, maturing leaders grow more focused over a lifetime when i first started out in ministry leadership i did everything i possibly could think of to advance god's kingdom and to uh, to contribute to my church's leadership and to do the things that i thought would help us to reach our community And there's not anything really wrong with that. I was young, and I didn't really know what my strengths were fully, and I was just trying to do everything imaginable, and so I was ricocheting around on all these different projects and opportunities and accepting speaking engagements here and there and yon, and just doing all these different things. But as I moved along, I started noticing that I did some things pretty well, and then I did some other things not so well. And I started narrowing my focus As a maturing leader, I realized there are some things I need to be investing in, some things I need to be devoting time to, some things I'm actually pretty good at. And when I do them, God seems to bless, and I want to get involved in those things and do less and less of what I'm not really skilled at doing. Now, listen very carefully. Every leader has to do some things that they're not good at, that they're not skilled at, that they don't enjoy and that aren't in their wheelhouse, so to speak. Every leader has some of those. It's just part of life that a job usually comes with some barnacles on it that have to be managed and dealt with. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about getting to some kind of perfectionistic standard where you only do what you're good at. What I am saying, though, is that over the years, as I've matured as a leader, I have narrowed my focus so that I spend more and more and more of my time doing things that I seem to be good at, that seem to be blessed when I do them, and that seem to accomplish and achieve some tangible results. And I frankly just stopped doing some other things, including stopped accepting invitations to do them from well-meaning people who like me and want me to do them, those things for their church or their organization. Now, let me hasten to say that doesn't mean these things I'm turning down aren't important. I'm simply saying someone else who's really good at those things should be doing those activities, preaching in those contexts, speaking in those conferences, or leading on those subjects. Someone needs to be doing that, and I'm all for that, but it's not me. So one of the ways that I think leaders mature over a lifetime is by learning to focus more and more on what we do well and less and less on other issues. Here's another way that I think leaders mature over time, and or at least should, and that is leaders need to make a clearer distinction between the things that they can be flexible about and the things that they're going to be fairly rigid regarding. Now, what I mean by this is that when I started out in ministry leadership, I, I was pretty rigid on everything. I was... Uh, Adamant about how everything had to be done from doctrinal issues to personal issues to practical issues. I mean, to picky things like how the bulletin looked and how the, uh, the, the, the building was arranged and all kinds of things. I mean, I was on top of every minute detail. And one day a man in my church asked me about one of those issues. And he said, is this a hill you really want to die on? Now, I realize that's sort of a cliche these days, but that was the first time I'd ever heard it when this man said it to me. Is this a hill you really want to die on? And I would say that one of the ways I've matured over my lifetime of leadership is I have become more flexible on many more things. But let me also add, I've become more rigid on a few things. In other words, on the areas where I have real convictions that I believe come out of Scripture and cannot be compromised, I've become more rigid about those issues, more definitive in my position regarding those items, and more outspoken on those subjects. But those have gotten fewer and fewer over a lifetime. And in fact, I've become much more flexible on so many more things which I've learned really aren't that significant. Now, part of this is growing as a leader in your security and avoiding some of the insecurities that come with youth and inexperience and just starting out. And I understand that. But no matter the motivation for it, I'm grateful that part of my maturing over a lifetime of ministry leadership has been that I've become more flexible about many things, while at the same time having deeper roots that produce unchangeable convictions on some core issues. Well, here's another way that I think I've matured and I think leaders need to mature over a lifetime, and that is I've learned to focus more on major issues instead of minor problems, more on major issues instead of minor problems. I'll just give you one example here at the seminary where I work. I I get the privilege of having a strong voice in the selection of faculty when I first came to the seminary, I spent too much time thinking about the curriculum. I would look at classes and what was being taught and how it was being taught and what textbooks we were using and what was being said in the lectures. And I realized fairly early on in my time that there was no possible way I was going to be able to have that kind of attention to detail to the hundreds of classes we teach every year. So if I really wanted to make an impact on the academic program of our school, the best way for me to do that... Was to make sure that I selected outstanding faculty and then trust them to take care of all of these curriculum issues that I just mentioned. This is what I mean by focusing on major issues and not getting caught up in minor issues in ministry leadership. I've learned to do the same thing, for example, on managing resources. Uh, rather than focusing on some of the minutiae of managing the resources of our organization, I've learned to focus on the big picture and to think about what's the large decisions that need to be made that affect the broad base of our financial strength. I need to be focusing my attention on those things. So when I first started out in ministry leadership, I would say that everything was a major issue. I was trying to give attention to everything as if everything mattered the same. But over a lifetime of service, I've matured and come to understand that some issues are more important than other issues and that the more senior I am as a leader, the more clearly I need to be able to identify what are the truly major issues in our organization and I need to focus my attention on two or three of those. I once heard a person recently uh, say that uh, an effective president of the United States accomplishes about three major things while he's president three. And I thought, man, that's good counsel because what that's saying is the more senior you are, the fewer things you really need to focus on. And yet those few things that you need to focus on really need to be major issues that are worthy of your time, your influence, your investment, your resources being poured into that as the leader. So when I think about what have I learned after I learned it all or thought I learned it all, Well, one of the key issues that I've learned is that I need to be able to differentiate better between what's a major issue and what's a minor issue and really focus my attention on those things that make the biggest difference in my organization. Here's another way that I've learned and grown, and that is I've learned more how to match leadership style choices with the situational demands in in my context. You know, when I was younger, I would try. people would ask me, what's your leadership style? And I would try to give them a short uh, one or two sentence summary of what my leadership style would likely be or what my leadership style was as I observed it or something like that. But along the way, I learned that that's a very interesting and in some ways a very poor question. The better question is, what are your leadership styles, plural? Now, why do I say it that way? Because I've learned over the years that I need to choose my leadership style for the context and the problem and the people who are involved in any given situation. So, for example, my leadership style may be very hands-off with certain employees that are highly competent, very experienced, and know full well what needs to be done in their area. With them, I might have a 15-minute meeting and say, hey, listen, here's a couple of priorities I'm thinking about. How do these interface with what you're already doing? How can we make these things rise in the level of importance in your area? And we talk about at that level, and once we agree to that, I don't really even have to think about it anymore because they're off doing it because of their demonstrated competence and my confidence in them. But what about other situations where people need a lot more hands-on direction? They need a lot more coaching. They need a lot more information. Well, that calls for choosing a different leadership style. So when I first started out as a leader, when I thought I knew it all, I had one leadership style and I thought that one leadership style needed to be imprinted on every situation and I needed to make sure that i made it happen in every context. But over the years, as I've matured, I've learned that I don't need to have a leadership style. I need to have leadership styles. And I need to be able to make situational choices based on the people involved, the the issues at hand, the context in which we're leading, the timeline, for example, that we have to work with. I need to make my decision about my leadership style in that arena with all those factors in mind. So this is another way that I would say that I've matured as a leader over time. Well, here's another one. Uh, I've learned as a maturing leader How to Handle Criticism and Discouragement Better. Now, let me be quick to say, I still struggle with criticism, and I still get discouraged. But not anything like I did many years ago. When I first started out in ministry leadership, I was so susceptible to criticism and, quite frankly, got a lot more of it back then than I get today. You know why I got more criticism when I was younger? Because I made a lot more mistakes. Did a lot more dumb stuff said a lot of things I shouldn't have said. I made a lot more mistakes when I was a younger leader. So naturally, I got a lot more criticism. And when I was a younger leader, I had a lot of unrealistic expectations about what was going to happen in ministry leadership, especially the timetable on which it was going to happen. And I had to learn over time to have more realistic expectations, not to give up my expectations, but to temper them and make sure they were much more realistic. So... As I've matured over a lifetime of leadership, I have become less susceptible to criticism and discouragement. Don't misunderstand me. Don't mishear me. No one of us ever gets to a place in life where we're no longer uh, criticized and no longer discouraged. We'll battle this to the end of our ministries. But here's some encouraging news for you. It gets better over time. How does it get better? Well, first of all, you you learn a perspective on how criticism really impacts you and what it really does over the long run, which is quite frankly not often much. You know, when I get a critical email or a critical letter or someone attacks me on Twitter, I used to react to that and think I had to answer it, had to respond, had to mitigate the damage. What I've learned since then is that most of the time it goes away fairly quickly on its own. Second thing I've learned is that in the old, uh, when I was younger, I used to think, when I got criticized, that uh, everyone that heard about it would agree with the critic. What I've now learned is most people don't. Most people, when they hear a criticism, they think, "Eh, is that really true or not? Let me think about that. Let me investigate that a little bit. I've learned that most Christians are much more fair-minded than I thought they would be and much wiser to see through things and to see what's really happening in a situation. So, I've become less susceptible to criticism over the years because of that, and also to discouragement. Uh, I have a much more realistic expectation these days of what people will do. I also have a more realistic expectation of the timelines that it takes to accomplish things in ministry. And now I'm going to say something that's going to sound really negative, but stay with me. We'll get to the positive. I just am less disappointed when people fail these days because I've seen – How wicked, how evil, how unfaithful people can be. So when someone does something that's just really despicable, while in the moment I might be reeling emotionally, usually I come fairly quickly back to an equilibrium and say, you know, that's how sinful people act. We're all broken. We all have that capacity. And I shouldn't be surprised. So, I've become less susceptible to criticism and discouragement for all these reasons as I've matured over a lifetime. And now let me just give you one last one. What have I learned after I thought I knew it all? (laughs) I've learned to trust God more and trust myself less. I know the Bible says the horses the, the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. And I know we should saddle our horses <clears throat> and bring every resource we have to the battle. I get that. But I've learned that in the context of bringing every resource I have to every battle, I don't trust those resources. I trust in God. And as I've matured over a lifetime of leadership, I've become better at trusting God and Less confident in trusting myself. Now, again, let's bring some balance to this. Do I always trust God every day for everything? Absolutely not. I still struggle some days with fear and anxiety and worry. All those things plague me from time to time, just like they do every leader. But less than they used to. And when they do overwhelm me, I now have both the spiritual resources and the experience of leadership to draw on to confront and overcome my anxieties, worries, and fears. So I trust God more than I did when I was a younger leader. Now, we started out this show reflecting on last week's show in which I said that, we were, that I was strongly an advocate for formal training. And I also reminded you that I answered the question, does formal training teach you everything you need to know about ministry leadership with a resounding no. No. Today, I sought to bring some balance to that by talking about how we mature, grow, and change while we are experiencing a lifetime of ministry leadership. You need to keep growing. As my mentor said, stay alive all your life. And I've given you some ways today, learning from experiences, narrowing my focus, becoming more flexible and yet more convictional about a few things, Learning to match my leadership style with the situation at hand, focusing on major issues and not so many minor ones, being less susceptible to criticism and discouragement, and more capable of trusting God. These are some things I've learned after I thought I knew it all and after I'd received all the formal training <laughs> that I was ever going to receive. I want to challenge you today keep learning, keep growing keep changing. I want to challenge you to look back over your lifetime of leadership and identify some ways that you see yourself growing and be encouraged by that. And then look ahead and see some areas where you want to keep growing and ask God to use your experiences, your reflection, your capacity for understanding how He's at work in your life to continue to grow and shape your understanding of what it means to be an effective ministry leader. Yes, Formal training is foundational, it's important. But beyond that, we have the challenge, the privilege, and the opportunity of a lifetime of leadership growth as we continue to mature in our understanding our role as leaders. Get on this path, continue to change, grow and mature as a leader as you lead on.